Welcome back, everyone, to Finding Common Battlegrounds. We have a new episode for you. And for those who can't see the video, um, it's probably you're probably not going to be able to tell, I guess, right? But we're actually all here together in person. In the flesh. In the flesh. We're in Tom's, what do you call this place? It's kind of a converted garage. Uh, yeah, it's a converted garage. It is sometimes called the Fornication Ford or the Pleasure Palace with the uh, Oh, interesting. Yeah. I thought it was the kids' room, but like that's that puts it in a completely different light. So. Wow. I had no idea what I was entering into. Um, great. Okay. So don't run a black light in here. <laughs> I'm I'm now I'm just intrigued who's doing the fornicating in the fornication room, but uh awesome. So we are back with another episode for you. Um, and delighted to be here in Utah. So I, I did come out to Utah. I'm here for the holidays. Uh, we're recording this on what uh, December nineteenth, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm here for like a week and a half, and we figured we'd get together and do a fun podcast. Absolutely. So, all right. Um, quick shout out to our sponsor. Uh, I did, in fact, just bring uh, two bidets to Utah to our winners from our last competition. So Lux Bidet, uh, heck yeah, supporting our listeners um, and keeping them clean, which is what we're all about, right? We like this. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, quick recap on on what we're doing here, Finding Common Battlegrounds. It's a podcast trying to bring uh, the left and the right together. And our new format basically has both of them critiquing specific things happening. But the critiques happen. One happens from the left. One happens from the right. Our two participants are relatives. So we have Tom Triplett representing the conservative side. And we have Nate Triplett representing the progressive side. Um and let's ask a fun question just to get to know you guys a little bit better. Um, That's a great idea. Yeah. So let's try like uh, um, your favorite food. That just came to me. Favorite food. And this is terrible for Tom because I know Tom is, he he is he struggles to pick out food. So let's start with Nate. Do you yeah. have something? So my go-to is always going to be pizza. Like you can never go wrong with pizza. I know that's like the easy answer, but... I'm never going to say no to pizza. Okay. But like, are you a deep dish guy? Are you like a Chicago, New York? Like there's a lot of yeah, variation of pizza. variations of pizza. Um, I'm not a deep dish guy. No. I'm not okay. a thin crust either. It's got to be like the perfect ratio of like good thick crust, but not too much crust, if that makes sense. I get it. I get so it. just like your standard, if you go to your local pizza place, like more than likely they're going to have my ideal type but of like pizza. But like a chain one or not a chain one? Or it doesn't I matter. mean, I would prefer it to be a local pizza place, but you know, That's you can't go wrong. <laughs> you can't go wrong with, uh, you know, there, there's pretty decent chains out there. I like Marco's Pizza. I'll, I'll say okay. I like Marco's quite a bit. But like a Little Caesars. Sorry, they're not a sponsor of the podcast, so you can you can totally go after it. I mean, hey. You'd eat it. I'll eat, I'll eat some Little Caesars. It's never <laughs> going to be a first choice. Got it. But I can get 10 of those for the price of That's how much? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not $5 anymore. But I know. But still, thanks, Joe Biden. They are cheap. <laughs> Tom, can you can you answer this one? Because uh, No, not really. I'm food agnostic. So. <laughs> it's three things I do not have any interest in, and that is food, music, and sports. So. Nothing. Well, you watch the World Cup. What I mean, you, we didn't talk about the World what Cup. What do you but... have interest in, then? Uh, I mean, I understand other things. <laughs> food and music is like the lifeblood of life. Well, so, I mean, giving a little history here, Tom and I have been friends for a very long time, and we've done a lot of hiking together, and that's necessitated a lot of travel. And this is how I knew as soon as I asked the question, I was like, oh, crap, I should have come up with something different. (laughs) Every time we go to a restaurant when we're out doing one of our crazy hikes, Tom requests that we order his food for him. 
Has he ever done this for you, Nate? I don't think I've ever had that experience. No. Mm-mm. Uh, I've ordered more food for Tom than I think I've ever seen Tom order. That's kind of strange. Sure. He lets me order his food. And I, I'm kind of, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm food agnostic. I like a lot of food, but um, it is kind of interesting. All right. So let, I would yeah. never let somebody order food for me. No, no. I would let somebody recommend food. Sure. But, but you're going to let pick. them just like blindly order me food. As soon as I like have gotten a job anywhere, the like one of the first things that just sort of emerges is a designated food order that like when we're going to lunch, that like oh yeah and then I'll and get, they just they, they just know the drill like but i will order tommy's food because otherwise like we'll be here forever <laughs> all right so okay anyway uh just getting to know our uh, our participants a little bit and we're going to jump into <laughs> our first topic today um just a little bit maybe a little bit delayed but i think they're still really relevant and, and pretty fascinating so our first topic is why was the Biden administration wrong to bust the railroad workers union? So a little bit of background here. Um, basically, there are a number of unions. So I, I should probably rephrase that. There are actually a number of railroad unions. And they had they, they were debating over a contract, right, uh, with the owners of the railroads. And they had reached some agreement. Uh, the Biden administration had actually stepped in to try and negotiate an agreement in part because you shut down the railroads, you shut down commerce in the U.S., right? The railroads do make a huge difference. So the Biden administration had gotten involved, sure. but one of the big sticking points was sick leave, paid sick leave, and the railroads were not giving this to the unions. The unions were holding out for it, and it was eventually going to lead to a strike, which would shut down commerce in the U.S. And because of some legislation that was passed a long time ago, the Biden administration, so the the executive branch of the government has the power to step in and prevent a railroad strike. So they did. They stepped in, they prevented the strike and kind of forced the unions to accept a contract. I don't know if you guys caught this, but the House tried to actually, when they approved this, they tried to slide in a package, giving them a, a week of paid vacation and it didn't pass. Sure. Yeah. So that was pretty interesting. It didn't pass through the house. Right. So that just recently happened. I mean, it's in the last month or so. Um, So that's the topic today. Who wants to start? I mean, you started both times last time, but I do feel like I have a lot to say about this one. And so I'm very curious. I don't know if I want to start. Okay. I have a lot to say about this. I have a lot to criticize the Democrats for on this one. Um, specifically the way that Biden has talked about it. Um, Biden has repeatedly said while campaigning and tweeted that he is a very pro-labor president. Um, I wanted to say that he said he's the most pro-labor president in modern history, but that sounds like something Trump would say. Yeah. I don't think actually Biden would that. <laughs> the most pro-labor <laughs> president ever. Yeah, I don't think he actually said that, but he he has constantly spouted about how pro-labor he is um, and how on the campaign trail and, and while kind of gearing up for the midterms. And I think it's very, I think it's very indicative of the democratic party in general of, they love to say things. And then when it comes to actually voting and when it comes to voting records, when it comes to actual action, they don't back up what they say, right? right. The border wall. Um, <laughs> yeah. The border wall. Exactly. That, that's a whole other concept I don't want to get into right now because I have thoughts about that. But you have Biden who's talking about we need to support the, the rail workers and we need to support labor in the U.S., especially gearing up to the midterms. The midterms happen, turned out a lot better for the Democrats than we expected that to. 
that red wave never came. It's second, be our second, second topic. topic today. Yep. Yep. And as soon as that happened, Congress goes through and, and Biden kind of eats his own words. Congress goes, goes through and, and forces the the labor, the rail workers to actually take the contract, um, which goes in the face of everything that really he had said. So I have a lot to criticize there. I think that um, I think that the Democratic Party is will always put profits in front of people. Um, and I will continually uh, criticize the Democrats for that. Um, I have some other things I want to say, but I'll, I'll, I'll let we'll, Tom jump, jump in there. Tom, okay. Yeah. Um, well, first off, I'll just go off that thought. Profits. I mean, you could say that, like, if they, if the railroad had gone nuts, right, that would have really hurt Democrats. Or if that had hurt the economy, that would have really hurt Democrats, right? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're looking out for their interest, right? Yep. Uh, so here, here's the thing. This is an easy one. Last week was easy, as, or the last podcast we did was really easy as well for me because, like, this one is like market forces, baby, right? Let a strike happen. It's uh, it's um, so like I, I agree. You should have just let that thing play out because it's this is. That's this is the the labor the union uh, worker. This is their you know their nuke button, right? Is, yeah, is the strike, right. and this has been going on for hundreds of years, right? Mm-hmm. I guess laborers, it's literally the only lever that you can pull. Well, no, it's, just the biggest, it. it's the biggest. It is the biggest. It's the biggest. That's the, the most big. Yes, sure. And it's always that threat, right? Of like, well, we could, and you know, it's like I'd probably say ninety percent of all uh like proposed strikes never happen right because you can mm-hmm. build up to it and then it doesn't happen and uh um and it's like that's part of the game right because it's like because here's the thing everything is um interesting part it's all it's all free market you can those, those employers could fire all everybody and get new it would be a huge pain in the butt it would be huge, yep. horrible pr it would be all this stuff but like that's part of the game right and it's like Every, everyone's going to weigh out the consequences and the actions. And this is all the thing. And yes, it actually really, I think it's, it's, it's stupid and annoying when, when a president comes in and goes, Nope, I'm going to force you to work. Right. And this has happened many times where I think there was a post office strike. Uh, it was like a hundred years ago where the pre- president stepped in and was like, Nope, you can't. And they, they forced them to do these things. And I think that mm-hmm. is falling. Right. Unless there's a, like an, a, an issue of national security yeah. at risk. It's like, that's you're 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 tampering with market forces you never should do that and uh that's an interesting perspective because like i would never really i i don't agree with market forces i think that market mm-hmm. forces never work in favor of us as the of the people um i think that market forces always operate in the best interest of companies and giant companies specifically mm-hmm. and i think the biggest Part of the conversation. You're like, the game is rigged. What I'm looking at, yeah, absolutely. I think it's all rigged towards corporations because we talk about, well, what are the ramifications if the rail workers go on strike, right? Well, it is going to completely devastate the economy for weeks or months Mm -hmm. until we recover for that. I heard it was like two billion 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 a day. day. Yeah. Insane. Yep. And why is the conversation? And when when I look at, when I read news articles about this and I, and I've listened to, to media pundits, why is the conversation not more geared towards making the, un- the workers go back to work and forcing the company to take the contract, not supporting the, 
the the workers, the workers. side of the argument. Yeah, yeah, it's never pro labor. Yeah. And so that's where I think that's where that overall frustration comes out at at the Democratic Party and specifically Biden. You will see very a friend of mine was was explaining this to me recently called the horseshoe effect in Washington, right. where when you take the polar ends of the political ideal political oh. spectrum, when you look at politicians like Bernie Sanders and a Marco Rubio, they tend to vote closer than a lot of Bernie Sanders and the Democrats do. Right. Yeah. When you look at the the senators who actually voted um, against it essentially forcing the the workers to take the contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernie Sanders voted for that. So did Marco Rubio. So did Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. A lot of Republicans <laughs> who I vehemently despise um, were on on the the side of labor in this okay. this situation. But in that instance, were were they on the side of labor, or to Tom's point, were they on the side of if they strike, it hurts the economy and hurts Democrats? Do you see what I'm saying? So were they sure. really on the side of like, oh, no, no, we care about workers' rights? Or was it like, no. oh, this will clobber Democrats? Oh, I don't, think that, they, I don't think that they care about workers' rights at all. It's about the overall, how will this impact the, the economy? The economy. And yeah. then that, how will it affect Which, How will it we'll, affect Democrats? Yeah, sure. We'll trickle down to them. Okay. Yeah. And and to your point, Tom, just again, like following up with this a little bit. So you were saying like, let the market forces play out. But you recognize that they're neither groups really willing to do that. Whichever groups in power doesn't want to do that because it'll affect them politically. Hurts. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, but when you say let the market forces play out, like, what do you really mean by that? Here's the thing. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, let it play out. Here's the thing. If we'd gotten to the eleventh hour, like, because I think it was scheduled for the December ninth. Yeah. So, like, it's December eighth. Uh, well, who capitulate? Like. The the more more than likely the employers, right? And if if mm. if Biden was like, this is a sacred count, I'm not gonna touch this, who do you think Biden's gonna be putting pressure on? The workers or the employer? Like to give them what they want, guys. Just give them what they want. If if we're like, we're just gonna let this play out, like honestly, that's more pro worker, right? Is letting it play out. Cause it's like that, like I said, it's the nuke button. It's the biggest nuke mm-hmm. button they have. And if they're going for it, it's like let them do it. I agree. We should have let it. They, he should have let it play out. The Congress should have let it play out. Yeah. It technically didn't get to Biden, right? Um, right? I believe the last step was if Congress either either deadlocked on it or didn't pass it, then Biden had one extra level that he could uh, that he could have uh, a trigger essentially he could have pulled. Is I'm, I'm, it's not right. technically an executive order, but could have passed that legislation okay. at that point to to force them to take the contract. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I believe that he absolutely would have had it come to that. Right. So, so at some level, I mean, it actually does sound like Tom is saying here that if we had let it play out, it would be beneficial for the workers. I think so. It's a very pro-union stance. I know. Which are you, kind of, you say that you're pro-market? Unions are part of the, the market equation, right? It's like not really. When, when there's employers, this is this is what not in the United States, not how they be. Well, no, this is what this is all part of it, right? This is what this is the levers they can play if they can pull on a free market, right? There's no there's no unions. There's no unions in Russia, right? There's no unions in North Korea. That's what I'm saying. Like, That's true. I mean, if we use that as our yeah. bar of excellence, man, the United States is amazing all the time because we're, at least we're not North Korea, at least we're not Russia. So, like, <laughs> okay, but I'm just okay. Saying, so, so let's moderate that. A little bit, right? So, like, France has 
powerful unions, right? Yes. And actually, let's use the UK right yeah, now okay. because the UK literally they're having strikes in their healthcare system, right? Right. Now. Yes. So that's happening right now, and they just called up a bunch of reservists to step in to staff some of the hospitals um, because they're shutting things down. Right. Right. But in in that case, like, what do you mean when you say unions right. are part of the market? explain that and yeah. maybe don't just use the US like let's go with a slightly more socialistic country like the UK where they do have a universal healthcare system Sorry, did you and just they... call the the UK a slightly more socialistic country than the US <laughs> than the US fair yes every yeah. every country then not every country but most countries yes all right all right mm-hmm. well uh, yeah and that's the problem is when you get more socialistic it's less free market right, right. these more unions right. actually have a lot of protections yes uh and so it's less of um so it, yeah it, it to me that's it's not as fair a, a, of a comparison um whereas in the u.s it's like yeah we shut it down well, and you got to deal with it that's it's so do you want to not do that right and that, that's what i'm saying most strikes never happen you just it's just a it's a bargaining tool right I would argue that, and, and I think Biden did everyone a disservice by saying, "Now you can't strike." And they're like, "You just took away our biggest tool, right? Yeah. Our biggest." They did. They did. The I mean, it's like free market that you talk about and can't and does not exist because you cannot have a completely free market that is that exists outside of regulations. We've proved this because not that we've tried completely removing regulations, but since. The era, we've been slowly and very quickly actually removing a lot of regulations in the market forces. Um, and we've seen what that's done for growth, seen what that's done for individual labor and that what that's done for uh, individual people. And so when I, when I'm saying we don't have necessarily a free market is there are, there have to be protections in place for people, for workers yeah. so that companies just cannot just band together and monopolize and, and, and out-compete um, and exploit workers. Yeah. Well, I mean, so so if we're being really kind of technical here, of course, when capitalism first developed, it was truly a free market and yeah. the protection workers, right? That was laissez-faire. And yeah. unions yeah. are what actually shifted all of this, right? Mm-hmm. So it was the unions that got the regulation saying, oh, we're going to protections in place, so it's a safer work environment, right? So, so unions actually did introduce the regulations. And I don't think we're ever going to go back to that kind of laissez-faire Absolutely capitalistic not. system. I'd hope not. Would you agree with that? I think we've just changed. Uh, oh, we, well, I think to parrot you, we're, we're, the U.S. is becoming more socialist all the time, right? So we're uh, socialistic, right? Yeah. So like, whoa, whoa, I agree. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we we push back against that. The, really? the U.S. is not pushing, is not pushing left. Uh are we talking are we talking in what socialism sense? from the, the definition of if an economic standpoint uh well i mean you can clarify tom if you want to because i, I, I use a loaded term like socialism right and socialism means a lot of different it things. does mean a lot of things um especially how we use it in the u.s but like so socialist organization of the economy yep. we are not even close to socialist in the u.s sure, the yeah. government doing things is not socialist yeah. we, right we actually have a lot of stuff that is socialized in the u.s right sure. so our public schools are socialized Absolutely. the social system is socialized we actually have some socialized medicine right so through the va and then a variety of other systems you know, for politicians um, yeah our military is socialized our police you know a lot of these systems are socialized we just don't like to call it that right sure so in the u.s we're so pro-capitalist they're like no we are not well actually like 
huge segments of our economy are already socialized. It's just not the specific, like the, you know, the, 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 mm-hmm. the part of the economy that actually sells stuff, right. For the most sure. part is not, whereas it is more that way in some other countries, right? So you'll get like South Korea where they invest in Hyundai, right? So the government actually owns a sizable chunk of that car manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not saying we're very socialistic. I'm right. just saying we are, we've been going more and more. So like we're getting more like the affordable health care act, right? Things are, things are becoming more socialistic over time. Like we keep, well, those are social keep, programs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which are, are, so they're like, introducing like socialism light socialist like sure. socialism uh, light <laughs> yeah yeah but but and i'm saying i'm not seeing any initiatives that are de-socializing us right we're only moving more socialistic so and you uh, might disagree in terms of regulation but regulation isn't necessarily socialism per se it's it's regulation of industry right no it's not socialism it's not at all socialism. there's regulation has nothing to do technically with socialism right yeah um i i just don't feel like that the protections are in place that, that need to exist, specifically bringing it back to labor movements, right? Mm-hmm. When we're talking about workers having protections um, and having bargaining power in place, one of the only things you can do as a worker is band together with your other workers and decide, hey, we're going to work, we're going to, to not right. if you don't. <laughs> we're not asking the, the the rail workers in this scenario weren't asking for anything crazy. They were asking for sick leave, yes, additional sick leave, um, because they have little to none at the moment. I don't remember. I don't think exactly. They have I, I, I don't want to say there's any. no sick leave. They have, right? they have paid like vacation, so there's like an, a certain amount of they paid do, vacation, yes. but not but sick actual leave. Not sick paid leave. sick leave. Yeah. And so when we want to talk about protecting the economy, when we talk want to talk about keeping the economy together. Part of that is providing sick leave for workers, for especially such crucial workers like our, our, our rail workers. Um, but we can't do that. We can't do the bare, the bare minimum of that. And it's, it's always a band-aid reaction to, well, it's come to, to worst case scenario of, hey, workers are going to strike. It's going to shut the economy down. Let's force them to go back to work. And then we'll just pretend like everything's back to normal. The Democrats will go back to status quo and we'll all pretend like we're on our on our way. <laughs> Um, it wouldn't be that big of a lift to put those protections in place. I, anyway, I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting off okay. on a tangent. There. So, uh, I, I do want to slightly complicate this and then we're going to move on to our next topic. But, uh, as you, as you two were talking about this and talking about like some of the early strike, earlier strikes that had happened, one that kind of kicked into my mind is in the 1980s, Reagan broke a strike among air traffic, mm. right? Um, which is interesting because I would say like railroads are critical infrastructure. I think, I think that's fair, but they're all privately owned, right? Correct. So the railroads are privately owned, even though they've got all sorts of like complicated government relationships, but they are privately owned, mm-hmm. but air traffic controllers actually work for the federal government, right. right? They're not, that's not a private industry. That is federal employees. They do have a union, but he busted the union and forced them to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, is that a different situation than what we're talking about? Now? Weird. So the employer actually is the government. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that is strange, right? How does that work? Uh, and what rights do they have? And like, 
that, you know, obviously I'd be like, you, you try to make it as capitalistic as possible and you let them do what they want to do. Right. But I, I don't even know if he was just working off, if he had some sort of legislation, like a, a precedent rest legislation, or mm-hmm. if he was just saying, nope, executive order. Right. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I would, if, if it was just executive order, then I'd say shame on him. Right. I don't feel like that changes anything personally. No. I don't think that it changes whether or not at the end of the day, you have workers who are asking for and demanding better conditions mm-hmm. and are saying, hey, in order for us to continue working and providing our labor in the way that we are now, you have to condition, which is either more pay, sick leave. It usually isn't a huge ask. Um, so you're- I don't think it's any different whether the, whether they're employed by a private institution or whether they're employed by the government. So, but you're agreeing that like the government taking away or forcing a settlement in this case with mm-hmm. railroad, it's it screwed the workers. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He agrees. And, and you think the same. Yes. And yeah. and that it would have been in the best interest to let for the workers who have not even to strike, but to have the option to strike. Right. The threat to, to strike, not right? Yeah, have that taken away. Yes. Which is what Biden It's did. like they just you just neutered their greatest tool. And so the employer's yeah. like, Yeah, I'm not gonna pay up. Like, Absolutely. I'm the do jack squat. So, so so we're effectively we're finding agreement. Right. Yeah, this, so. Like both of you are basically the Biden administration like took the greatest weapon that the workers have, right? Yeah, the, absolutely. The, the labor force has away from them and allowing them to at least have the threat or actually striking would have been in the best interest of the workers. Yeah, absolutely. For and sure. who, who votes for them at the end of the day? The workers. Yeah. That's fascinating. We, we, we agree, even though we came at it from, I think rather different perspectives. Yeah. Right? Strange finding common ground. Okay. Interesting. Isn't that weird? Okay. We're moving on to our next topic. I must see you guys have anything else to add. Because I thought that was actually really interesting. I didn't know where you were going to come from, Tom. I, I kind of knew where you were coming from. This day. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I got that. But okay. So our second one, um, it is like, eh, we're like a month and a little bit out away from this now. But I do think it's fun to kind of reflect on yeah, what happened. moved on past the midterms. They're like, oh, I, they have, have, right? So, uh, some fun kind of interesting questions we can wrestle with here. So uh, generally speaking, we have the midterm elections there. Historically, the party that's not in power makes gains during those midterm elections, right? Typically. typically. That's that's typically what has happened. Um, and that massive red wave that people were prognosticating was going to happen. The red tsunami. Yes. It did. It, were did showing. Not it, material- it did. It did. It did materialize be in florida where it does it was like a red, talking about it was like a red puddle yes it was, it was a little little tiny like yeah tiny put on our blue boots and step yeah um so uh, the the question is how are republicans and you can talk about specific ones if you want we didn't specify but mm-hmm. how are republicans responsible for the, the the smaller than expected term red wave yeah let me start i don't actually don't this because I'd rather just make kind of make this a discussion. Mm-hmm. But um <clears throat> I mean like by all like intents and purposes, this was a disaster. Like because I think uh Herschel Walker lost in lose. Georgia. Yeah, and I lost. so I, I think we're one yes. 51 Senate in the Senate and um although uh Senate Senate Rada, just went independent. Yeah, went independent. So but yeah. she's probably she's fairly continue to caucus with democrats exactly yeah cinema's gonna grift and uh you know and she's in a you know she's got to watch she's looking out for herself and uh so shocker um (laughs) i think 
so like yeah like that didn't turn out and i you know we we got the house but like not by near nearly a margin that that uh Republicans expected. Yes. Right. and so um yeah horrible horrible and like the thing was it's like it was leading up and i was watching the stories and people were like it was like ah red tsunami and they were like <laughs> yeah. i'm like we're getting a little overexcited here. I'm worried that this is not going to turn out the way that, that you know. It's it's almost like the Hillary Clinton, you know, like oh, we got that right. And you're like, uh, anyway. So like, we won't go there though. Yeah, we we're like, I don't know. Like, it, I was, I was like, I don't know. It's going to turn out because people are getting crazy about this. You know, they're like, we're going to get 54 seats in the house in the Senate. In the Senate. And um, and we anyway. So it was like, yeah, totally did not turn out. And like, so like, what happened? I don't know, right? I don't know. Because yes, they usually pick up, do pretty well. And like mm-hmm. the the few things I can point of to, you is, don't know. But you're, you're, here's your turn yeah, to speculate. Yeah, here's my right. speculate. It is, I think. Um, well, I'm just like I really like. I thought about. it. I'm just like the, uh, the abortion thing. Probably hurt him. Probably hurt, right? To what extent? I didn't think it actually was this huge, you know, um, enzyme that you know that mm-hmm. the, the the Democrats got people to gather to. It didn't seem to be as big as democrats wanted it to be so yeah so that like so it was like i'm sure that affected things but just i did, i don't know what accounted for everything the only other thing is like <clears throat> you know is this is this a, a referendum <clears throat> on trump and maga right and, mm-hmm. and sort of like and i know ryan had talked about this before <clears throat> that a number of maga supporters had gotten into had become the primary candidates yep. right for you know, yep. office so they so, won in the primary because yeah. they bifurcate yep yeah and then they uh you know and then this was like a referendum on them like no we don't want you 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 mega candidates in there and so like yeah was that the big was that most of it i don't I, know i, don't I haven't know. i haven't even heard an analysis of like what the h happened right like from anyone just like yeah we got a slacking oh, well. <laughs> Which I mean, technically, Republicans did take the House, right? Yeah, small we margin, won. but they, they took the House. We right? made gains, but you made gains, and in some interesting places in New York State, you made gains. Yeah. Again, I'm not necessarily. I, I don't know if you identify as a Republican. We're saying you're conservative, right? But you no, may be independent. You are yeah. a Republican, okay? Um, but they made gains in New York State and California, which I thought was really interesting. In fact, the last uh, seat that was decided was in California, and, and Republicans picked that up. Mm. So I was surprised where they did make those gains. Um, I mean, it's sure. obviously rural New York and rural California where they're making those gains, which makes a lot of sense. But it was a little bit surprising. Yeah, I think the things, the places where Republicans thought they were going to clean up didn't materialize. Like yeah. Would, yeah. What are we thinking? Oh, I, I have some thoughts. I think Jenner, as based in 2016 and continuing to determine that polling, the way that we do polling currently it just is not accurate it's not it's not it's far from perfect but it's it's very far from accurate at this point because polls were showing that republican supporters voters were going to come out in droves and Mm -hmm. vote republican um but a big part of how what what wasn't accounted for was the young vote like the gen z vote right Right. 18 to 29 is the is the metric and they came out in you're saying they were the wild card or what well i don't think that polls are accounting for that demographic the main way that that polling is done in the united states by political campaigns is via the phone Mm -hmm. and like do you you have you have 18 right um 
they couldn't be caught dead answering the, a phone call. Right. Right. From a I, number they don't know. I'm 27. If somebody calls me on a, on a number, I don't know. No chance. I'm going to answer that. phone. <laughs> do, you, do you answer those Tom? Yeah, I will. So do I. I have to, cause I have a job where people call me from oh, really? my number. So I do have to answer the phone. Um, but I wouldn't be caught dead if I'm like off the clock. Or so I've gotten dead. much better total tangent, right? But I've gotten much better at like when you hear that pause, and then some, yeah. you know that it's somebody trying to sell you something. No, so yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. So what I do is I say hello, and then I don't hear anything, and I'll just sit there. <laughs> and then because they'll wait, and then they're like, hello? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> nice. Anyway. Okay, but I do answer. Okay, yeah, yeah. keep going. Sorry, I, quick tangent. My point being that, like, young, they're not counting. And so that's one factor. Yeah, polls are completely off. Pulling- strategies don't aren't 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 for the the younger generation absolutely which i think has created this false confidence in republicans so you're so you're saying they're not the the younger vote would probably be more liberal and Mm -hmm. they're probably as they they usually are and and, um so they're not accounted they weren't getting accounted into the polling and therefore it was leaning more conservative than it should have exactly I, i think on that same metric like media and polling is heavily skewed by media influence as well so in the sense of like when i look at empirical data polling data even if that data isn't necessarily correct when i'm looking at the data i can choose on how i want to report on that data or how i want to present that data and media companies overwhelmingly in the u.s do lean right skew right the biggest news corp news corporation in, in the u.s is fox news where's josh when i need him man he would lose his mind oh he would die because he, he thinks they're all left they're all <laughs> the left. such a left wing you bias so to the left the fact sure. that he's like no they're all to the right sure and of <laughs> course that is that is my bias i rec- i recognize that but the number one political uh, media company is fox news and the number one political show as much as i hate it is a white supremacist named uh tucker carlson um these facts these these the way that the news is distributed in that way with a a very heavy right-wing bias does skew our perception of when we think this red wave is going to come in because that's what we're hearing and that's what we're seeing all of the time you're saying they're an echo chamber like they're oh, absolutely hearing they're they're getting they're only surveying people that, that are going to reflect their views absolutely mm-hmm. now that doesn't mean that everybody is going to agree with it or everybody consumes fox news but we all do like exist within our own, our own echo um i think that that those are a couple things that that contributed to it um and i think that overwhelmingly the republican is the minor the republicans are the minority party within the u.s um republican conservative policies are less popular across the board than what you'd consider progressive policies um based on polling data Technically, based on polling data, so you know, I'm technically, a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent scoop. So, my, what was my point? I was trying to make there. Um, I lost my train. Sorry. But well, really, well, really, the thing I would say is that because they, if the, I, we don't see that tendency, right? Of like that that oh, on election day, they end up being much more democratic than we yeah. than we've been polling right because we've seen it flip both ways well that's so what i was one of the I mean, points I that know. i want to bring up is 
in the 2016 election, the polls went yeah. the other way. Yes. Right. So everybody was like, Hillary's going to win. We got this in the bag. Not a pro. And then suddenly there's a red wave and Trump wins this. Right. So I don't disagree that that could have been the issue. Sure. This in this polling cycle, right. This midterms, but like, but yeah, but it seems like it's been, it's gone, it's gone both ways, at least right. at one point. And, and it's, I, well, I was just going to say like during that one, they talked about how maybe there were kind of slightly conservative uh, individuals who were less likely to take the phone calls, right? So there's just a lot of speculation well, on like, I heard how the polls got it wrong. There was like a MAGA... Um, like a secret MAGA condition Yes. Well, they were shot. Like, what they they call they did, it? It was like the... Um, oh, what was the <laughs> silent MAGA or something like that? Like, they, they were supported, but they didn't want to, like, evoke, be vocal about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they sleeper. It. Sleeper MAGA. Yeah, sleeper that's MAGA. what they call it. Yeah, the, the, the right loves to pr- pretend like they're the oppressed minority, but they are a minority. They're just not oppressed. Uh, okay, so back to my I, – I got my train of okay, thought so back, back um, in the sense of oh, – I just lost it again. Gosh, dang it. I just, <laughs> I'm making, a, incredible. making a point, and it's, uh, and it's getting me off of the well, point. Well, if you finally drop it, it better be that good. Uh, yeah. So it does make me think like, okay – we're saying polls aren't catching young people because they're not, you know, going to answer the polls. And yeah. I get that. And we can talk about like, there are some independent polling groups, right? Some are affiliated with universities. Not all of them are associated with big media companies. Uh, and they try, they try and weight things. They try and get, again, I'm a survey researcher at some level. So um, I know that there's a lot that goes into trying to actually get these polls as accurate as possible. Mm. Why were the polls wrong? I, I don't know that we have the answer to that. The other thing that I was going to mention, yeah, maybe we're not catching young people, but we also don't do a lot of these polls in multiple languages. Yeah. So if we have, you know, first generation immigrants, people Absolutely. who don't speak English, we're not going to pick them up. So unless you're doing polling, particularly in Spanish as a second language, right, or first language. Um, but there are lots of other groups of people out there who might, you know, might be different in how they're, they're mm. doing this. So just some thoughts as we're thinking about like why the polls might be wrong. But I have some other questions for you guys too. There, did you get it? I or, did get it back. Okay. So kind of going back to to the skewing of of data and polling um, by media companies. The the other challenge we have in the U.S. is you cannot you can vote on ballot provisions within your state. But overwhelmingly, we are not voting policy by policy, right? We are voting for an elected, we are voting for elected officials that belong to a party, Democrat or Republican. So there is a large portion of I have to pick a team and I have to choose with that team. That's why we see, we typically see the skewing back and forth, the the Mm -hmm. way back and forth is because everybody's unhappy with government. Right. If you talk to any Democrat or Republican, everybody's unhappy with how the government is being handled. So the position in the party in power is usually the yeah. yeah, I don't think that we would see such an unpredictability in polling and in the, the election cycle in general if we existed within a system where instead of voting for a representative, we're voting for ballot initiatives. And you look at that at state ballot initiatives, mm-hmm. right? It's polling yeah, data on state ballot initiatives is a lot more accurate than political parties taking power. Interesting. So you're saying more democratic than than. Republican, Republican, Republican. I think it can go either way. I think that people typically know what they, the thing that they want to vote for, but then they have to attach that feeling or that emotion that they have or that policy they have to a politician. 100%. Yeah. And at a moment's notice by our, our media companies. Mm-hmm. Um, like the the polls that come out 
three months prior to the midterms or a general election are drastically different right a week before. prior because yeah. I actually have to vote now or I am starting to vote. And whatever is happening in our immediate news cycle impacts that wave. Um, that's why. So on that point, uh, I've told Tom about this before uh, years ago on the podcast. Uh, in my county, I'm not trying to make this about Florida, right? Oh, uh, we're talking about Florida. 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 Uh, Florida. Utah today? Sure. Absolutely. Right. Uh, in my county, um, they send out, you know, my ballot. So I vote by mail and they send it out well in advance. So I've got time to actually research every candidate and every ballot initiative. And I actually write that up and put it on my blog. Right. So I'll put like links to every hmm. single candidate's website, a brief summary, not about their politics, because I'll say which party they are. Right. But sure. about like, where do they go to school? Are they a Tampa native? Right. And like uh, their family, some, you know, just basic information that people might want to know about them. Yeah. And I put all of that on and it takes hours, right? Because I'm doing research. I'm doing the research for me, mm-hmm. but then I type it all up so other people can see it. So um, I do this typically like a month and a half before the election. As soon as I get my ballot, I will mm-hmm. try as fast as I can to do it. So I'm done. So I think it can be useful for, for people. But then if you watch the hits to that website, every time I do this, I get 20, 30,000 views of that website, right? Okay. So it's, I don't know that it's influencing how people vote, but it's informing people. Sure. The vast majority of those hits come the week before the election. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Do, so so to your point, mm-hmm. do you think people are really just not paying attention to elections until it's time to vote? Absolutely. I, I think that the majority of the populace, it's not that they don't care, but we have enough going on in our day-to-day lives that I can't care until the last moment. Or maybe I don't have the mental capacity to care until the last moment. Those that do care yeah. tend to look it up and will make the effort. But the majority of the population, I don't think, is is looking. How do you approach it, Tom? They're seeing, uh, they're seeing a number or letter next to the name, D or R, D or R and they're voting based off of that. Uh, well, there, I'm sure there's some that do that. But like, I, I actually agree with you in that... Uh, Two two thoughts. One, when I, I'm always think it's fascinating during election cycles, especially the presidential election, when you talk about polling in the state, oh, Iowa, he's leading by two points, and, da, 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 mm-hmm. and they talk about that as if it's the whole nation or the whole state is being right. polled. It's this teeny sliver of of hardcore Democrats and hardcore Republicans, right? And typically, the, the, it's way less than even 10%. It's like this tiniest percentage of the state that they're polling to get the primaries. And then then they have to go to the general. Uh, right. and, and and that's usually because they usually go way into their base. Yeah. And then they go and then the, the general election. Then they're like, they go way moderate. centered. Yeah, they got to moderate. And it's like, but they, they skew it and make it look like everyone's in this. And you're like, you were, there were just this tiny group of people that are actually deciding who's going to be the... The candidate. The, the candidate for that state yeah. um and sure. so i so i kind of agree in that most of them are like most most of the general public are not voting in those they don't care mm-hmm. um and in uh, primaries in the in the primaries those yeah. primaries so um so i agree with you that and then the second one is this and i i had to i had to admit this is that like like just even the last the midterms right mm-hmm. it's i do we do the mailing ballot so i'm doing it like a week or so before but also oh, you're committing voter fraud why 
But I feel like, you know, like, you know, there's like the big ones and I'm, you know, I've thought, I definitely thought about those, but then we get down into like the, should we reelect judge so-and-so and you're just You've like, never heard of this person. Right. No, and you're like, I don't know. You, you feel a little bad. You're like, sure. Or no. <laughs> not even know my neighbor's name, let alone the judge. <laughs> and you like, you know, and even like, so like his, uh, my wife is, she's, she's in a certain, she knows candidates and stuff. I'll be like, oh, do you know about this thing or this thing? Right. And she'll be like, oh yeah, I know this. And, you know, cause you're just like, I don't know anything about this. And I'm a pretty informed individual and, sure. and are pretty up to date on a lot of what's going on on the local politics as well as, as the general, as the, the uh, national politics. And so it's, yeah. um, so the regular Joe Schmo guy, right. That's just like not into it at all. I'm sure he's like, whatever. <laughs> if he even votes, right. Then he's just going to be like, yeah, you know, it might be just R's or D's, right. Who so knows? This, so, oh, go ahead. I would say, and this is exactly why the, Republicans lean so heavy into culture war topics and emotionally, like reactive, emotionally charged. Yeah. Kind of approaches. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than policy, because it's much easier to get people to feel a certain way that my team is or does, whether that's true or not. We're both, how they vote. Both sides are doing this, right? Oh, both yeah. Sides. Democrats are doing it as well. Yeah. Um, I just would argue that Republicans lean into that culture war more. Mm. Interesting. So I, I wanted to complicate this a little bit um, by suggesting that at least some voters are more sophisticated than we think they are. I think most okay. are pretty sophisticated. You think so? Well, most I mean, is a, is a we were kind of suggesting here that like people tend to vote party, right? Like they get their party, yes. they know their party and they're going to vote that. And the only reason why I'm saying that they might be a bit more sophisticated is one part of the midterms. But prior to that in Kansas, they did have this ballot initiative uh, that basically made it so abortion is protected in Kansas. I don't know if you guys remember this. This happened over the summer. Yeah, right. Right, right around passed, where all the Roe v. Wade Overwhelmingly, right, over 60% of Kansan voters mm-hmm. supported keeping abortion legal in the state, even though that state is very heavily Republican. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then if we look at the midterms, there were three or four states that had abortion ballot initiatives mm-hmm. on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering to what extent, and I, I should have probably looked this up, right? But I'm wondering to what extent in those states where something about abortion was on the ballot, how Republicans voted for that and then went back to voting for the Republican candidate. Do you see what I'm saying? So sure. I wonder to what extent voters are sophisticated enough to know, you know what, on this one, gonna, I actually favor, you know, making abortion, like keeping abortion sure. legal. But I'm going to vote a straight R ticket on all the candidates. Mm. You see what I'm saying? I think sure. we've seen this happen. Like this year, it's been happening. I think that supports my statement earlier of when we're talking about policies on an individual policy level, mm-hmm. progressive policies are overwhelmingly popular more in popular. the US. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that progressives or that the Democrats are overwhelmingly popular. Mm. Um, but the policies that typically get associated with the Democratic Party tend to be more tend to be more popular. Thoughts? Uh, well, to, to support that, like I to support the Democrats no. to support that idea of sophisticated voters. <laughs> I well or or just what you're saying is like yeah. I'm pro 
um, I'm totally pro-choice. But oh, I did not know that. As, as a, on, on, <laughs> on a political standing, hmm. I am adamantly pro-life on a personal standing. Okay. So if that, does that make sense? I, I, everyone should be able to choose for themselves. Right. So he's but, not going to force his views on somebody. Else. I'm not going to force my views on somebody else. But Very libertarian. But opinion. if you ask yes. me my opinion or something like that, yes. Yeah. Like, how most pro-choice, I say most a lot. I think that's how a lot of pro-choice people are. Is that I may feel one way about what I would personally do or what I what I think other people should do, but giving somebody the right and the choice to be able to do something is a different yeah. story, right? Exactly, and that's why I think that almost lends to. So, in that sense, right? Like, I'm very progressive, right? And I'm like, yeah, I think everyone should have the choice, but I also think you should have the choice to carry guns, and you should have the choice to uh, do do lots of lots of things. I'm also pro gun, but like, but I don't own a gun. And I don't know, and I don't. I like the look that Ryan is saying. So I'm just saying. So like, I don't necessarily mean that that means that everyone is progressive. It's just my. They might have more conservative views, but they're okay with other people doing the. You know, uh, making their own making their own decisions. Exactly. We as humans like to categorize things in people, right? Mm -hmm. And and back to Ryan's point earlier of like. We have to categorize people. It's how we keep track of things. But people are more sophisticated. Voters are more sophisticated. And people are more nuanced than just, I am a Republican, so I'm going to vote for everything down ballot Republican. So mm-hmm. I think that's a, a, a really good point of we try, we have to pick teams to a certain extent in the way that our political system operates in the United States. But most individuals are not a republican or a democrat yes a hundred percent uh so there are tons of moderates and independents in, in the u.s yeah well but so i have to pick a team there's some bad news i was i was reading about this actually i'm not a democrat that people have actually over like if you surveyed 100 years ago the views were actually pretty um distributed as far as like oh well i'm pro-choice here but i'm but i'm and i'm pro-gun like people are all kind of all like over the years we've become we've consolidated mm-hmm. and that so you basically have these groupings that are more um homogenous yeah yeah um, homogeneous or homogeneous so basically they all look the same within their group yes so right. republicans all look like republicans and i i would say there. the media has been that's the media's fault of like oh you're in this camp so here's the thing that you now are for and and if yeah. you're against them and it and that's why i'm always like i think it's so weird when we were like um, yeah. We need, you know, it'll be like a thing like we need a wall, right? And they're like, well, we're, we're the party that's against the wall. You're like, really? You're like, or, you know, the, the, every, both parties do this, right? Yes. You're like, yeah, why absolutely. are you on the opposite side of this? This doesn't make any sense, right? And you're like, because we are. Because they're not. Because they're not, right? Yes. Exactly. And you're like, <laughs> why does there have to be, you know, and like, I wish, I wish there were 10 camps that we could choose from, right? And wow. then, I think we have better results because yeah. because and, and this is the thing I've always annoys me mm-hmm. is you're like, OK, we're coming up into a, a, a presidential election. Right. And yeah. you're like, I'm not thrilled about Trump. You're like, what are my options? Hillary Clinton or or <laughs> Kanye. Right. And, and you're like, you know what I mean? that's what it really is. And you're like, well, of course, I'm not going to vote for either of those. Right. Or, you know, for I don't want to vote for Trump. I don't want, but, but, oh, okay. You don't want to vote or Trump. We'll go to the exact opposite yeah. ideologically. Everything you, uh, yes. of course, you're not going to go there. So, so you're like, it's, it's feel this back if this is getting to a different topic, okay. but that's why I, I think that most people 
It's so you it oh boy, <laughs> that's something that maybe you don't want to say <laughs> now. Um, <laughs> ago, it's kind of like that, oh, didn't, that didn't age well. Yeah, no, that's ooh. and that's why you're a Republican. Okay, <laughs> so ow. okay, but I'm just saying. Well, like you know, so rank two points is better than no. Well, yes. First yes. past the post is the problem, right? But it's it's the winner take all system, and really, what we need is a proportional representation system, and we had this. The way that we structure our system is first past the post. Whoever Just gets there. the majority wins the whole thing. Yeah. Where what a lot of parliamentary systems do mm-hmm. is it's proportional representation. If you get more than 4% of the vote, you get a representative and then you get to pick who the representative is going to be. For sure. Right. And that, that does lend to then you, your vote is not wasted. Right. Right. So even the ranked choice voting, it's still first past the post because one person gets the whole thing. I, this is kind of really broad, but I, it, this is one of my fundamental pol- political philosophies and visions is a young person. I wish that as a society and as a, as a government, we were willing to reevaluate our systems more than we are. Yeah. Because when the, the U S was founded, sure. It was this great experiment, yeah. which innovative. there were a lot of it, problems with its founding, but there was this great exp- experiment that's, that seek to do something different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the constitution is overwhelmingly a good document. It has a lot of flaws, a lot of problems, but our, our inability and our unwillingness to look at these documents and these systems and go, this isn't working in our modern system and popular system anymore. We need to reevaluate and change that. Well, and I think states... I don't know if most people would agree with States, you. right? There was supposed to experiment, right? You've got okay. 50 states all look, you know, Alabama's doing it this way. Michigan's doing it this way. Sure. And, and, we're, and you're seeing results, right? These are good results or bad results. And you can, like, start evaluating and be like, man, we really should start doing what Michigan's doing or whatever, right? And what's interesting is they've all... You got Democrats and Republicans in those. They're all, all two party, right? And yeah. Isn't that strange? And like, I don't like. That's it's so this weird. disjointed thing. Well, of like, it's entrenched. And, and once you have yes. power, why are you yes. going to change? It? Exactly, not, they have the power. Yeah, well, they're not going to change. Them. They are. And it swaps between two apart, right? Which we just saw with our first point today. Both were willing to bust the unions when it came down to what's in their best political interest. Yes. It's this pendulum of yep. power that, that in a way, we almost have a one-party system, right? With, with, the, with the illusion of two parties. Yeah, we'll we're choice. coming to an agreement. Power is pernicious. It is inherently corrupts. Yeah, um, it's pernicious. Yeah. Which Lenin wrote about a lot in his writings, but <laughs> we won't get to... We won't well, get into Lenin. That's fine. Okay. Any other thoughts on our topic there? Or, I mean, I don't know that anybody has the answer. No. I think we were kind of speculating. There wasn't anything necessarily to agree with, but if, or disagree with, but we both know that the system's not working. Yeah. The current way that we're, we're pulling data is not working. Yeah. Well, even to get more philosophical at it, it's almost annoying that, um, we're it's exactly what we're talking about it's this illusion of two parties of like it's so funny that we're like oh it's the midterm so the other party has to take it back right because this is the way it works and oh guess what's gonna happen on the next midterms when a republican's in office (laughs) i'll let you guess right and you're like predictable they're like and everyone's like celebrating like we won some like republicans right we oh my gosh you look we didn't win anything this is gonna just reverse right back the next time right it's like 
it's it's almost it's almost pathetic, right? Yeah. That you were like, we're winning. No one's winning anything, right? It's, it's like you're saying. It's we're... running a candidate like Herschel Walker. And if Herschel Walker won, being like, we won with Herschel Walker. Oh. <laughs> well, oh, Democrats. Yeah. So other thoughts before we do. Uh, one of our comment, one of our regular listeners said um, they like Tommy's take and now they want Ryan's review. Oh, Ryan's well, review. I like that. Which I, I don't know that I'm going to necessarily right. pull a Ryan's review. Ready for Ryan's review. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. I think I've kind of recapped the positions already. So yeah. I did want to, I just thought of something that I saw um, talk about, which I thought was kind of interesting. And maybe this can lead to just a really brief discussion at the end. He said, you know, the way that our system does work is is problematic. Like you just said, and I think we all agree that it's problematic because it, it is a pendulum that swings back and forth. But kind of what his point was, is it's a really inefficient democracy but what it does is it allows both sides to basically not get anything done. Right. Yeah. So, cause what you have is like, you've got this very short window of two years where Biden has all the, you know, he's got the house and yeah. the Senate and he's controlling the, you know, the, the executive branch. So he can push a few things through and then immediately we lose a house. Right. So the house is gone. Um, now what's going to actually pass. Right. Like it's just going to be a stalemate, but it forces at some level, certain things like a budget, they're going to have to negotiate. Sure. Right. Cause it's mixed now. So the way that it's structured forces negotiation, but it's slow. Yeah. The whole yeah, system so. is slow and we're both like, all of us are saying it's broken, but what is the alternative? Right. Cause right now, and we Socialism. did talk about it, right. Socialism. <laughs> <laughs> but, but his point I thought was pretty good that like, it may be, it may seem broken, but it's intentionally designed to make sure that no party is ever, we're going to have ultimate power. Right. It's going to continuously swing back and forth, and it's going to be a broken, it's slow a, it's a, democracy. It's a, it's a big checks and balances. It's very deliberative kind of thing, yeah, and which is problematic, right? The checks and balances work for the most part. They do. Well, I think that. Yeah, I think most of us would agree. It's not perfect. It's broken. It could be better, but I think that we're so focused on the. I feel like we're so focused on the party system not working. And I, I know I pointed to this earlier, Democrats, Republicans, that system isn't the way that most Americans want. But I think the the thing that never gets talked about is the economic system that we, that you and I disagree on is capitalism versus other options. Right. I'm pro-socialism, but um, I, I am absolutely a socialist, but that is the that is the system that nobody gets to vote on because we're too we're busy voting upon parties, right? Mm-hmm. It's just whichever party. Both yeah. parties are capitalist parties they at are. the end of the day. Liberal literally means liberal economic policies. That's literally what it means. Absolutely. I don't like calling them liberals because they're really progressive. So anyway, thoughts on that issue of like a, a broken democracy, but it's actually well, effective. Yeah, well, so like, you know, what's a really efficient government? A dictatorship. A dictatorship. <laughs> Absolutely. You get it's stuff like, done. Very yeah. Quick. You're like, you know, like Hitler, like, hey, you know what we need? Autobahn. Boom. Like, <laughs> we built an Autobahn. And it was amazing. Yeah. He also had some other ideas that, <laughs> that uh, didn't age well. And uh, so it's like, yeah. So it's like, yes, intentionally Absolutely. inefficient and and keeping each other. It, it's like almost keeping each other in check, keeping them from not polarizing too much. Right. right. And, and. So, you know, like, that's great. That's like, you know, what's worse than a two-party system? A one-party system, right? And it's like, but I'd love 
we will never get a multi, we'll never get out of a two party system unless we change our voting, right. which is like a CRT or a, what is it? Not CRT. Ranked choice. Um, oh, ranked choice. So. Yeah. Yeah. IVR. Or a like a runoff voter? Oh. IRV. Yeah. Okay. And then that kind of, yeah, ranked, ranked, ranked choice. choice. Yeah. Some alternative system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And so, yeah, I really think, I actually think we should be focusing on those kinds of rehabilitations of, of, the, of the, the system. Yeah. Agreed. And then, and then that would change, but you're always going to be working against the, the interests of the entrenched, right? Yeah. So at this time. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, you look at policies that Paul, some politicians are, are really talking about wanting to pass right now. And that's putting limitations in Congress about stock trading. Um, you've got both the right and the left that are united on that. Yeah. We've got, um, oh, shoot, who's the senator that, was, has been really uh, McCarthy, who's really been talking about that. Do you think that'll pass? No, absolutely not, because it's against the interests right. of, of, the of the people who are voting for like, it. Same with the Supreme Court. Answer. So they were just talking about um, the Supreme Court has no ethical guidelines that they actually have to follow. Mm. So other judges, like federal judges, do like in House and the Senate, they all do, but the Supreme Court has like they they don't really have anything that guides them. Yeah, um, they don't have to deal with conflicts of interest. They don't actually have to. Break- they're the ones who write their own code. Yeah, you can have like, what's literally implicit in the insurrection of the United States and still sit on the Supreme Court. Yeah. But okay, so I'm going to wrap it up here, right? I think I think that was pretty interesting, right? And a lot of agreement again. So yeah. pretty pretty common here. We're finding a lot of a lot of things that we can agree to critique. Here's what I'm thinking. Okay, I personally think that Tommy and I, when it comes to the actual political discussion, are going to find a way to agree a lot of the times to get into the economics. Because so that's where Tommy and I are going to fight. Yeah. If you want to okay. fight, but I know we're trying to agree. Well, honestly, these last couple, they've been like softballs to me of like uh, <laughs> things that you want to criticize. I'm like, that's easy to criticize. Yeah. Like, there's going to be, uh, that's what I keep saying. I'll like, come come over something. I'll like, like, <laughs> 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 like, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Catch us next time. Uh, Tom, look, we don't always agree when it comes to politics. Um, but if there's one thing that we do agree on, it's that there's only one way to clean up after going to the bathroom, and that's with a Lux bidet. Listen, I've been using bidets forever, all right? And Lux is the best, all right? So, I mean, I've got like the little squatty potty thing and the bidet. It's like a whole experience. It's it's Actually, it's probably one of the highlights of the entire day. But like it gets me clean and it gets me ready to uh, talk politics in a civilized manner. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, Every time that I use a toilet, it doesn't have a potato when I go to a friend's house, you know, I just don't use their toilet, first of all. But uh, that's about as uncivilized as it gets. So uh, civil conversations demand civil hygiene practices. That's why everyone should get a bidet. And just to be clear, right, we, we want to make make it clear. Listeners can get their own Lux bidet with 10% off by ordering at LuxBidet.com and using our promo code FCBG 10, Finding Common Battlegrounds 10. Uh, And the last thing that we want to say, Lux is supporting this podcast, uh, but they don't side one, they don't support one side or the other. They support civil conversations and clean butts. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Finding Common Battlegrounds. The music is by Ben Sound. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not those of their employers. For more information or more episodes, you can find us at FindingCommonBattlegrounds.com.